All right. Is it coming through? There it is. All right, guys, we got a lot of announcements. Let's wrap up those conversations. I know I'm not usually on this side of things. I don't like talking in front of people. I'm okay singing in front of people. I don't like talking. Uh, for those of you that don't know me, I'm Marley. I'm newer to the staff here at SBC. I've been assisting in the office, and I also am the events coordinator now. So um, just to start off announcements, just a reminder, it is Pastor Appreciation Month still. We have those three boxes out on the info booth. Let's show our pastor some love, some blessings. Um, second, we have our, our Teachers Appreciation Brunch coming up. I believe that's next Saturday, 10 a.m., um, is there a sign up online? Do we know? I don't know. Yeah, Amy's not here. We're, we're sinking ship without her. Um, yeah, talk to Abby if you want to sign up for that. We'd love to have you. We also have another baby shower coming up. We just have babies, babies, babies. Um, we're going to bless Amy Meyer, um, not tomorrow, but the following Monday, 6 p.m. in Ray Hall. It does say group gift option available. We're not going to do those anymore because it just is too hard to keep track of. These moms do have registries that they put a lot of time into. So if you want to bless Amy with that, just go ahead and check out her registry um, and join us for her shower so we can love on her. Um, we have Trunk or Treat coming up on Halloween on the 31st. Um, Brad and I will be out in the foyer with iPads after the service. If you want to come find us, let us know if you want to help with that event. We would love your help. This is a volunteer-run event, and so we need you guys. <laughs> we have a few sign-ups already, um, but we have trunk options, so you can decorate a trunk, hand out some candy to our kids. Um, we also have some needs in the barbecue area for some guys making hot dogs. And then um, I think we have the, the drink area covered, so we have that. But yeah, there's a few options. If you want to sign up, find Brad or myself after service. Um, so in November, we have our turkey shoot coming up. It's $15 to sign up. Um, no, no turkeys are harmed during this event. <laughs> um, I can't read what that says. Please register early, is that what you said? So it's in the app or online. All the registrations are online, super easy, streamlined now. So join us for that turkey shoot in November. Um, and now I'm going to invite Michaela up on stage. She's going to tell us a little, about, a little bit about what's going on with Foster the Sierras. Got it. Hi, I'm Michaela Grant, and my husband Russell and I um, run the ministry from Sierra Bible Church called Foster the Sierras. Um, I want to say that you as a church body have been amazing over the past many years. Being part of this ministry has grown my faith and my view of who God is. We've been doing this for seven years now, which is crazy when I sat down and thought, how long has this been going on? Um, I want to just give you an update and tell you where we support and what we're doing. We love to support people who are curious about what is foster care and to explain that process to them. Um, we support people in getting certified, whether it's logistically or financially. We walk alongside people and celebrate their adoptions. We walk along people who are going through reunification with these foster kids. Um, we love when people just want to foster and take care of kids in a moment of crisis for them. 
Um, and we build relationships with kinship families, which are families that are raising um, other family members that are not from their own household um, and are often so unsung that we don't hear a lot about and from, but need a lot of our love and support. So thank you for doing that. We, don't only, we, we aren't only in this church um, body. You guys might know people who have fostered or adopted and watched that process, and it is a gift to be part of their lives, so thank you for that. But we also are in other churches in this community and have families there. And some of my favorite people are like the non-churched people in this town and in this community that are just looking to... Um, builds relationships with other people that are walking through this. I believe that this is absolutely the heart of Christ and um, that whether people recognize it or not, they are, are walking in that and that there is this connection with their soul as they love um, orphans in this way. Um, and it's awesome to be able to introduce people who maybe don't belong to a church family, um, that there is actually a real meaning and a real reason why we have this heart. Um, so thank you for that. My goal for being here this morning is first to bring awareness to foster care and adoption in our community. It's still a need. Um, we have some homes, but we could always use more that are available um, for when the time arises. And that's something that could wait a while after you get certified or it could be immediate. Um, for us, we started fostering um, because a friend just said, hey, this is how you sign up. And so we had no idea what it even looked like. We knew there was something out there called foster care and adoption out of foster care, but had no idea how to take that first step. Um, and I wanna be that friend for anybody who feels like I wouldn't even know how to begin. Um, we would go to our meetings and one week we would say, there's no way it's impossible to do this job. And the following week we would say, yes, we will adopt all of the children, where are they? Um, <laughs> And that walk of faith that we took before the Lord with other people who had walked that journey before us was priceless and led us to our three amazing children. Um, so I would love to grab coffee with you, talk to you more about any of those things that you might be interested in hearing more about. And my request for you is that you would pray for us. Pray for those who are part of this church. Pray for those who are not part of this church. Pray for our family in particular as we lead this ministry, that we would be filled with Christ, that we would be able to pour out. Otherwise, it doesn't work. Um, and pray for, um, pray for somebody to be let up that might be yourself, that would be interested in helping lead our support group. We've had it in the past, and I want to bring it back again so that our families have a place to be able to come together and to um, walk alongside each other. If you love to give financially, we have a lot of families like ourselves that are interested in going to conferences that come with a cost um, to be able to go to those. We try to do Christmas gifts every year for all the kids that are part of Foster This Year's. And then this year, we want to do a social worker appreciation. Our family, and since we've adopted 12 years ago, has gone and um, just thanked the places, the social workers who have been part of our kids' lives. And I wanna put the church and Jesus behind that even more so. And the way I wanna do that is to be able to give them a gift certificate and have a handwritten card for them to be able to um, read and to know that what they are doing is more than what they know they're doing. So I have a couple of thank you notes at the back right by the pastor's um, thank you boxes for you. You don't have to know anything about social work just to be able to write a thank you. Um, my card, actually my husband's card here is in the back if you want to grab one of those and call or text us. 
Um, and the last thing is, is if you happen to have baby boy clothes, we're looking for boy clothes nine to 12 months, three, four, five, six, and seven, to be able to put in our storage unit so that when um, somebody in a pinch gets a child, there are some logistical needs that can be met right away. So thank you so much. You can leave it there, yeah. We'll use it in a minute. <laughs> good morning, good morning, good morning. All right, good to have you uh, with us this morning. Hey, turn to Mark chapter 11. We're going to jump into that in a moment. We've, we've got a lot kind of today. Uh, I have a shorter message planned to you, uh, planned for you this morning. So uh, because of all the different things we're kind of doing. With us this morning is Travis and Amber. They, uh, well, an interesting story, if you've never heard it before, Travis and I basically went to high school together. We both were idiots together. Travis became a Christian went to the School of Evangelism down in San Diego. I ended up going uh, mainly due to his influence in a lot of ways. And we both ended up in ministry. So I ended up a pastor. He and his wife ended up in Mexico and they are serving just like Michaela. They're serving children, but in Mexico. And we've been supporting them uh, for several years. And so they're here to share with you this morning a little bit, uh, an update and, and a little bit of what they're doing. So if you don't have a Bible while they come up, just raise your hand and one of the guys will gladly hand you one of the ones we have. Uh, you, if you if you need a Bible, you can take this one home. Uh, but uh, please welcome up, welcome up Travis and Amber as they share from So Ministries. Well, good morning. It's great to be here with you guys and uh, just give an update on all that God's doing in Mexico. As Jesse said, Amber and Travis from So Ministries, our kids are back with grandma and grandpa being spoiled and, and going to church down in Loomis. So um, we get a little break, which is a huge blessing as well. So it's great to be here. We are super excited to share an update really over the last year. I think it's been about a year since I was last up here. Um, and then I had a stop up here where I got to speak at the children's church and uh, just amazing to see the support not only in this room but also in the children's church of kids that know about what we're doing in Mexico that pray for us and that give so it, that's uh, just incredible and um, I'm going to go through there's a, a bunch of slides if any of you are sports center people like the fastest three minutes of of sports, they'll do a quick update. This is like the fastest five minutes or now maybe three minutes of our year in construction. So uh, bear with me here. Let's see. All right. <clears throat> our mission, our mission statement to glorify Jesus by providing excellent individual care for orphans and widows in need. And this really comes the heart of James 127, pure and undefiled religion that God our Father accepts is to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself pure and from being polluted by the world. So that's really the heart of what called us into this work was that verse and, uh, and God's spirit leading us. So Ministries does two things. We serve existing orphanages. So right now we work with four orphanages, which has about approximately 127 kids. Um, and in addition to that, we're doing the construction, um, which many of you are well aware of, on the, the Blessing Children's Home. So that's an overview picture there. Our top highlights from this last year, um, there's our daughter Lexi, one of the children at an orphanage we work with. Um, number one, impacting the lives that we serve. A bunch of the kids here that you see 
A lot of our visits are delivering donations, food, clean drinking water, clothes, school supplies. Um, we do VBS activities. Amber does haircuts. Um, so I'll click through children's Spanish Bibles, huge blessing, trampolines, things that allow the kids to be active. During COVID, we've had the kids to our property a number of times, which has been great just to give them space to run and play. Um, there's another shot of Amber cutting hair. She did that before we moved to Mexico and continues to do that at all the orphanages we work with. Here's a picture of a, a group trip recently um, at the end of the day. <clears throat> this was Christmas at our house uh, for girls that are from sexually abused situations that are now at an orphanage in Mexicali. And uh, they make the trip out and we do a huge Christmas thing for them at our house. And then a team that came down and did a color war on the property. A lot of fun. A local church from San Diego. <clears throat> and then we just wrapped up back to school. So um, some of you may have donated with that through Amazon, but we do individualized bags that have their uniforms um, and all their school supplies needed for the year. And then if you remember in 2019, we uh, purchased this property, five acres. It's about 45 minutes south of the border. Uh, that's exactly what it looked like when we bought it. And then last year, this is where we were at with the baby house. So we had just finished the walls of the first floor. And then we got back home. We started working on preparing for the, the concrete pour. So I'll click through these fairly quick because there are quite a few. But to give you an idea of construction in Mexico, we had a pump truck, which was amazing. And we had nine trucks that showed up amazingly within a half an hour of each other, like clockwork, to finish this pour. And it all got done in one day, uh, which was... That's a miracle. If you know anything about timing in Mexico, that's incredible. Um, there's our block delivery, one of many trucks. We started the second floor walls. Um, there's a, a shot of those being finished. Added some columns for the, the porches. And then our local crew, this has all been done by local workers that we've been paying. Um, the baby house, that is. So they've, we had two crews. One was in plastering the walls and the other was uh, starting our roofing project, which we just started, um, and we decided to go with metal. So a lot of this has been being flexible, as many of us are well aware with COVID and the cost of things and materials, and for us groups as well, that has been uh, something where we've had to be very flexible. But um, this is what it, it, the progress on the metal roofing. So, and just to give you an idea, so this is the downstairs. Those are actually the three bedrooms for the babies on the bottom floor. And the bottom floor is dedicated to the care of babies with some support rooms that will help in the future for the family buildings that we'll have on site. So our goal was to start with this building that would allow us to open, allow us to start receiving kids and be able to function. Um, and we do have to get checked off and go through a lot of licensing and certifications to make sure that we can take in kids. The upstairs that you see is a four-bedroom house that is for dedicated for long-term missionaries that want to come and serve with us and help, and help in the baby house or help on site with other needs. This was last week, so a little update here on the roof. <clears throat> and this is actually a little video, so it's only about 30 seconds, but it will kind of pan around just to give you an idea of the, the scale of the building and what the construction looks like. But just an amazing, talented group of guys. And uh, it's been a blessing for us to be able to provide jobs 
within the local community to multiple teams of workers that have helped pour into this building. There, you can see the rolls of paper they're getting ready to put on. So probably by the time we get back home, that should be finished. And then we'll be ready to start tiling the roof, installing windows and doors. <clears throat> and this is the rendering of what it would look like when we're finished. That's the goal. Yeah, praise the Lord. Not only are we doing that, we're also doing the visitor house. So this is where our guests would stay. So we had a local team that helped with tiling. Amber and I built bunk beds. We also did countertops. Um, there's the bunk beds there. The kitchen, we have an open air kitchen that faces down towards the baby house. So that's been a lot of our work and with teams that have come down, that's the finished result of, of the phase one, the first part. Sleeps 12 and then we started on the second part which is a flipped version of that that will also sleep 12 with an additional master room. For the second year in a row, our anniversary, we were pouring cement with the team. So uh, I'm trying to go for husband of the year again this year. <laughs> but these guys are amazing. This team that we have and uh, our lumber delivery. In one week, they built the building, did all the framing. There's us putting up the walls. It was a smaller team, so this was actually a pretty joyful moment of actually getting the roofing done, getting paper on the roof. And then just last week, they came down to get everything watertight, put windows and doors in. We added solar to, to power that building. We're completely off grid. So, and then we also added a basketball court for when the kids come out and play and for our teams. There's my son and I, we learned how to weld this year. So we welded this fence in the front of our property and are preparing for more work. And then that's kind of an overview of all the, the land where everything sits, all the work that we've been doing, including planting fruit trees for uh, future. So our goals for the end of the year, finish the exterior of the baby house, install the windows, doors, get everything watertight there, finish tiling the roof, drywall, and then uh, working on bringing power to the property, which we have a matching um, donation for that. And then by the next summer, finish the interior of the baby house, get licensed, and then start taking in babies. And then in addition, finishing our second visitor house. And then these are just a couple rendering shots. And that's the baby house, kind of the dream, what it would look like, the three bedrooms, the play area, and then the outside there. All right. I'm going to turn it over. Yeah, praise the Lord. Thank you guys for, that's your fruit. And uh, I'm going to turn it over to Amber to share some impact. So, oh, that's okay. Up on the screen behind me in a minute will be a definition to the word so. Um, and so I'm a homeschool mom. We have two kids that I think you saw some pictures of. Um, so naturally, when I am going to speak, I immediately go into homeschool mom mode and think, okay, what am I going to talk about? And let's look up the dictionary and research the word. So um, the word sow means to plant a seed, to scatter seed on the ground for growth. Um, it's a verb. It's an action word, meaning that it's something that we do. Like Travis showed you in those slides, um, we've been sowing seeds on the land over the last two years. 
um, planting fruit trees. We have a garden. We have many plants that, you know, we're hoping and are starting to bear fruit. But over the last 10 years, we've been in Mexico 10 years this month, um, we've been planting spiritual seeds in the kids that we serve. So I want to tell you a story about one of the kids that we serve, Alexis. Um, we met Alexis about eight years ago. He was 13 years old at the time. And Alexis is hilarious. He is the funny jokester kid um, from Casa de Mi Familia, which is an orphanage in Tijuana. Alexis is super gifted at playing the guitar. And like I mentioned, he's really funny. Um, Alexis hated school. He didn't like homework. He didn't like being told what to do. He didn't like sitting still. That was just not what he wanted. And so at 16 years old, Alexis uh, dropped out of school. And we were devastated by this. Um, we prayed and, you know, spent a lot of time on our knees before the Lord, just seeking what is God going to do in Alexis's life. And after a couple of years, Alexis reached out to Travis, and we were able to get Alexis into a Bible college in Ensenada. He kind of thought, you know, maybe I'll give school a chance after, you know, a couple doors had closed. And so we got him into a Calvary Chapel Bible college in Ensenada. And after a couple months, Alexis remembered how much he hated school and didn't like homework and reached out to us again. And in that college, he met some kids who had gone to YWAM, Youth with a Mission. And so he expressed interest in going into Youth with the Mission. And he ended up at the YWAM in Tijuana. Um, in that program, he went on a mission trip to the Dominican Republic. So that's the far picture of Alexis. Um, he served and discipled kids in an orphanage in the Dominican Republic. And I just thought, how beautiful is that, that an orphaned boy from Mexico goes and gets to share the same struggles and has lived the same stories. And that's just God, just full circle. And in other exciting news, once he got back from the DR, he met his wife, which is Allison, who's in the middle picture. They got married in May. So we're like happy parent, grandparent, auntie, uncles with all these kids that we've watched grow up. Um, and Alexis and his wife are actually on staff with YWAM now, and they build homes. They run the um, Homes of Hope ministry through YWAM in Tijuana. So we just thought, how beautiful is it that at five years old, Alexis was abandoned in an orphanage, and he was broken, and he was scared. And God has redeemed so much in his life. And he's now this man who does plays guitar in his church worship band and is married and is building homes for poor people. And I just want to say, like, that is your fruit. You guys have been pouring into this ministry and you've been pouring in. Sorry. <laughs> you've been pouring in to this ministry and you've been allowing us to pour into these kids. So this is your spiritual fruit. And we just want to say thank you for giving us the opportunity and then this is Michelle. Um, we met Michelle two years ago at an orphanage uh, called Pequeños Gigantes. And I entered the orphanage that day, and Michelle had, I had never met her before. And when I normally go to orphanage, all the kids come up because, you know, we're always bringing things, and it's fun. So everybody comes up and gives me a hug. And I see Michelle's little sister, Millie. 
And she kind of tentatively just waits in line with the other kids, like, okay, I'm going to hug this crazy white lady too that I don't know. But she gives me a little hug, and as I bend down to hug her, I notice that there's a girl in the back of the room. She never came up to the front, and she has her arms crossed and a really glare on her face. And so I walk over to try to talk to her, and she just looks at me and says, what's so special about you? Like, really angry. (laughs) And I would love to tell you that Michelle's walls crumbled really quickly, but they didn't. Um, Michelle had a lot of hurt growing up. Um, She is a tough kid because she grew up on the streets. She bounced around in and out of crack houses with her mom and spent her early childhood years trying to protect her younger sister, Millie. Um, And it took a lot of time. It took a lot of sewing, a lot of energy, giving praises and compliments and loving on Michelle before she finally started to break down her walls. But the time that she finally gave me a genuine smile and now is the first one to run up and bear hug me is so worth it. Um, As her walls began to crumble, They revealed a witty, tender-hearted little girl, and we know that God has a plan and a future for Michelle. Um, So we're just grateful to be able to sow into her life, um, the opportunity to sow into her education, and ensuring that she feels safe and known. So what we sow into matters. Um, We're so grateful, like we've said, that you guys have been sowing into our ministry. And so is mentioned in the Bible 42 times. I feel like that's significant. It's something that God cares about. And we're all sowing into something. We're sowing into things with our time and with our talents and with our finances. Um, And I just want to say that this project is a huge project. It's a God-sized project. Um, But the reach of this project goes far beyond just building the baby house and even building the future orphanage and the kids' that we're serving. The reach of this project, like Travis mentioned, is huge in the sense that we have unchurched workers on our land every day, and we're able to provide jobs and pour into our local economy. And this is just a testimony and evidence of God goodness for our community and for our local churches who have come and served on the property. I think everyone is blown away by this project and just how God's favor has poured out on it. So I just wanna thank you guys for walking with us and encouraging and praying with us. Um, So for some of you that maybe haven't heard about us or don't know what we do or haven't heard us before, um, So Ministries provides support and stability for 127 children right now living in orphanages. Um, In our local area of Ensenada, there's 388 children that are in deep holding centers awaiting placement at an orphanage because the orphanages right now are full. Um, There's 36 babies in that that are waiting for a home, and there's only four other orphanages that exist right now in Northern Baja that can care for babies. On the streets of Tijuana, there's over 7,000 children homeless and living on the streets. In the 10 years of ministry that we've been in Mexico, we have not heard a story that doesn't break our hearts. They're all devastating. Children are in desperate need of healing, both physically and emotionally. But that happens spiritually. We know that God is faithful to turn the stories of these kids from victims into victors. The children, when they enter our care, believe that they're unworthy 
and broken and damaged because of the circumstances that have happened to them. But we believe that God has a plan and a purpose and that they are chosen, precious, worthy, and loved beyond measure. And we just want to thank you guys for allowing us and helping us to sow seeds into the lives of the vulnerable. Okay. Um, no, we're not brothers, but we do came come from the same tribe, Duran's beard. <laughs> well, good morning. Let me um, let's pivot just for about fifteen minutes together, and get into Mark, and I think hopefully we'll we'll dovetail it with a lot of what uh, we've been walking through. So let me pose a question for us that all of us have experienced to some level or another. You uh, actually experienced it this morning. And that question is this. What do you expect when you walk into church? When you walk into a church building for the first time, what is it that you would hope to look for? What is it that you would hope to find? I would imagine you would hope that the people would be smiling. Uh, I would imagine you would hope that uh, the church is accepting of all people. Uh, I would hope that you would expect that that it would be an environment where somebody could hear about God in a way that carries a beautiful tension between both conviction of sin, a call to repentance of sin, but also at the same time an understanding that even even though you're a sinner and even though you'll never, ever be perfect, God still finds you completely acceptable. So hopefully to a certain degree, you would hope to find, I would hope you would find inside of a church a, a challenge to grow, to be the person that God has called you to be, but at the same time that you would also know that God loves you for exactly where you're at. That's an incredible tension within Christianity. It's why we have words like antinomianism, which some of you don't even know what that is, and that's okay. It's the reason why we end up with people who are legalistic. Antinomianism is kind of in the, in the other direction. Legalism is in the, in the opposite direction. They're both errors. Uh, hopefully, you would find something great and good. We find ourselves, if you will, go to Mark chapter 11, and this is where we find ourselves. Jesus has literally entered into the temple, chapter 11, verse 11. We have just experienced last week Jesus entering in as a king into Jerusalem. We have entered into a pivoting moment in chapter 11 now where Jesus, the whole mission of Jesus, the whole object of Jesus is to move to the cross, to walk towards the cross. He has a destiny of death, torture, and eventual resurrection and defeat of that death. Upon entering into Jerusalem after the triumphal entry, verse 11 reads this way. Jesus then entered the temple. And when he went to the temple and he had looked around at everything, as it was already late, he went back to Bethany with the 12. He has just walked into the church of the day. He has looked, probably it seems, the text doesn't tell us, he may be inside of this church all by himself. The temple, the grand temple, which has been rebuilt. This thing is beautiful. It is massive. It is ornate. 
I want you to understand something about the temple. The temple, as you walked into the temple, was actually set up in different courts. And as you entered into the temple, each different court would have basically a, a kind of gate that you would have to go through. And you would have to have certain qualifications to go past certain gates, right? It, it's just like, like some kind of, you know, double double agent or, or some kind of 007 agent, right? He's got to have the right card. He's got to swipe the card. He gets through that door. He goes to the next door. That card won't let him in because he doesn't have clearance. And the only one who had clearance into the Holy of Holies was the priest who had gone through all of the things he was supposed to go through so he could be right before God. He could be holy before God. Now, in, in the particular text we're going to be in this morning, there's an area just outside of the temple called the Court of the Gentiles. It's a large area. And the Court of the Gentiles is the place where the Gentiles could go. Who's a Gentile? More than likely, you. You're a Gentile. If you're Jew, if you're Jew, if you're Jewish, you're not a Gentile, you're Jewish. Everybody else is a Gentile. The Jewish people had grown up knowing that God loved them, that they were God's chosen people. I mean, after all, Abraham was their father. And so as they, 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 they could go further into the temple, but if a, a Gentile desired to know this Yahweh, the only place he could go was the court of Gentiles. Now, I want you to understand something. You have to get to Jerusalem to go meet Yahweh, to have your, for your sins forgiven, to go to this temple. It's not like there's a church here, and oh, by the way, there's a church across the meadow, and there's another church over there, and there's another church downtown, and there's another, you know, that's just in Truckee, right? Uh, here, there's, there's no church across the meadow. It's just the Temple Mount. There's one church to go to. And if you want to have the forgiveness of your sins, you got to go to that temple. And if you're a Gentile, you would take the journey, the pilgrimage to Jerusalem. And upon getting there, you would find out, you probably maybe already knew, that in order to have your sins forgiven, you were going to have to purchase a sacrifice. And oh, by the way, your sacrifice would not be sufficient. You couldn't go grab a lamb or a goat or a dove and bring it from wherever you came from. You had to get a pre-approved, unblemished lamb in the court of Gentiles. Couldn't bring your own. So you walk into the temple and you have to buy a perfect spotless lamb. Now, some folks couldn't afford a lamb so they could buy a dove. This is actually the sacrifice of Joseph and Mary. It shows you their status, their poverty. I can't afford a lamb, but I can afford a dove. Now, here's the crazy thing. <laughs> right, have you ever been to those parks with your kids where it doesn't take cash, it only takes tokens? Right? And you're like, okay, I can get five tokens for a dollar. And every time you put in a token, it only takes two tokens. So you always have one left. And you know that your money is being thrown away into somebody else's pocket. So this is what would happen when walking into the temple with the court of Gentiles. First of all, the, the money changers, those, those who, who, who sold the animals, didn't take the common money of the day. It needed to be a special kind of, uh, of uh, uh, monetary exchange. And so you'd have to exchange your money. Well, guess what the money changers were doing? 
They were charging an exorbitant amount in exchange of the money on percentage. So they were getting an extra cut. So again, you're desperate. You can only afford a dove. You got to exchange your money. Now, finally, you've exchanged your money. You got five tokens for a dollar. You take your tokens over to purchase your dove, and you know that the common cost of a dove is 25 cents. Sounds about right. They are called the rats of the air after all. Well, guess what they were charging? The equivalent inside the court of Gentiles, if you were not a Jew, four bucks. So first of all, they were being taken advantage of by those who were selling, taking advantage of the money changers. And what the people had forgotten is that the court of Gentiles was supposed to make it easy for Gentiles to come to know God, not hard. So here we pick up in the story, this really interesting piece. I got to move fast. But after he entered into the temple, he then clears the temple. That's verses 15 through 19. He tosses over the tables. Just look at the text with me, if you will. You can kind of peruse through it. Mentions the money changers. He wouldn't let anyone walk through the temple or carry anything. Verse 16. And he says specifically that his house should be called a house of prayer. For who? Well, all of the nations. You see, Jesus is frustrated with the fact that inside of the court of Gentiles, it isn't any longer. The church of the day is no longer a church for the nations. It's just a church for the Jews. And this upset our Savior. Because Jesus wants and desires that all people would come to meet God. Jesus wants and desires that when someone walks into church, that they can feel free to walk into church and not feel judged or beat up or like they don't belong, at least not initially. Now, by contrast now, I've just mentioned briefly that Jesus went into the temple upon uh, entering into Jerusalem, looked around. Then the next day he goes in and literally violently throws over the tables because they are taking advantage of sinners. Broken, hurting people who want to meet God are being taken advantage of financially. This angers our Savior. Now in the Mark and Sandwich that is typical within Mark, we now get away from the temple and Jesus now in verse 20 is on a journey in the morning. Take a look. And they saw a fig tree withered away to its roots. Oh, wait, did I, did I, uh, is that the second half? I meant to go to the first one. I'm sorry. Uh, verse 12. Go back to verse 12. So this is the sandwich. We just talked about the temple. Go back. We're first introduced to this tree. Verse 12. Now look, on the following day, when he came to Bethany, Jesus was hungry and seeing at a distance a fig tree in leaf, he went to see if he could find anything on it. And when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. And he said to it, may no one ever eat of your fruit again. And his disciples heard it. Now jump back to where I wanted to go originally, verse 20. This is after the temple. Curses the tree, goes into the temple. They're walking back towards the temple. They saw the fig tree withered away to its roots. Peter remembered. He said, and Rabbi, look, the fig tree that you cursed has withered. Okay, so let me ask you another question. Why did Jesus curse the tree? Take note of exactly what's happening. He's hungry. So he sees a fig tree. He knows it's not the season for figs. So he goes to the fig tree because it's in leaf, and he finds no fruit on the fig tree. 
He's hungry, so he does what all of us want to do when we're hungry. Kill the thing that's not feeding us. Right? Is this, is this just Jesus being temperamental? Did Jesus have an insulin problem? Is he just upset? Because No. The Markin sandwich is key here. The tree is a direct connection with the temple. And here's exactly what Jesus is essentially telling his disciples in this moment. He has come from heaven to earth to his people, to his church. And he has come and he has hoped and, and desired and longed to find fruit from Israel. Israel is supposed to be bearing fruit to who? The nations, y'all. This was the promise to Abraham. I will make of you a great people of many nations. They're no longer reaching the nations. They're just all about the Jews. So Jesus has come to the church and he's looking for fruit. He doesn't find it. You know what he finds? He finds a tree that looks like it should have fruit. Here's what's happening. It's not seasonal, right? So fig trees, just so you know, before they give fruit, the best way to know if a fig tree is going to give fruit is by these little nodules that exist on it around the season that Jesus is in here, springtime, I believe. And so you, he, he, he looks and he sees there's supposed to be these little nodules there. Now, the nodules are not nearly as tasty as, as figs. That's the, the, the fruit. That's the blossom. That's the good stuff you want from the fig tree. But what's supposed to be there are these nodules that will show and prove. And, and here, again, because the tree's filled with leaves, what the tree is saying is, look, I'm going to bear much fruit. So Jesus comes to it, and those little nodules should be all over the tree. They're edible, but not as tasty. And they're not there. The nodules aren't there. Everything about the tree says, come and eat of me. Everything about the tree says, look, I've got great things to offer you. Look, I have shade. Look, I have protection. Look, I have substance. Jesus comes to it. There's nothing to eat. So he kills it. Oh. Israel, the temple, all show no substance, no fruit. The reason there's no little figlets is because there's something wrong with the tree. It looks right, but inside it's not right. Inside it's not okay. So Jesus curses it, and this is what he's telling Israel. Your time's done. Your hope that I've given you, the hope of the world, will be no longer. And those of you who know church history, you know that in 70 AD, this temple withers and dies and is crushed and destroyed, just as the tree is in this passage. What do I want to say to you in just the short moments I have as we close already? You have to be real in your walk with the Lord. The church has to be real with its walk with Christ. The warning is to the church, don't look pretty and act pretty, but not have your heart right with me. You see, see what Jesus is essentially saying is, and, and this needs to be a message for all of you who are seeking who Christ is, we want you to come into this room and we want you to feel safe but the only way that you can feel completely safe over a long period of time is if you find yourself completely hidden in Christ because he's the new temple. He destroys that temple so we could enter into the temple of who Jesus is.
So what's the reality of what Jesus is saying? The court of the Gentiles, come on church, you have to welcome sinners into the bunch. You have to welcome, essentially the message here is you have to welcome the nations into the bunch. And then as he closes here, let me just read to you what he says, the lesson of the fig tree. What is the lesson of the fig tree? Take a look lastly at verse 22. After Peter recognized that it had died, he says this, Jesus answered him, have faith in God. I truly say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. And whenever you stand praying, forgive if you have anything against anyone so that your father also who is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. What is the lesson that is here within the fig tree? He says this, essentially, this is what he's saying. The church, the temple and God's people should be all about. There's three things in what I just read and all three things should have existed in the temple and they didn't. What are they? Faith prayer, forgiveness. If you walk into a relationship with God, it will require these three things. Faith, not in people, but in Christ. Prayer, not to some unknown God, but to Jesus. Belief in Jesus. You receive these things. And then lastly, forgive. This is what God's house is supposed to be for all of the nations. Our church has to be epitomized by its faith in God, by its prayer to its God and with practicing forgiveness as Christ has forgiven us. And why is this so important? Because if the church is going to embrace all of the nations, it is going to require us to practice forgiveness. Could you imagine if you lived in Sacramento today? And literally in Sacramento, there's a great population of Ukrainians and a great population of Russians. Do you think it will require heaps and heaps and heaps of forgiveness and prayer unto Christ as the object to bring those two people groups into the same building under the same banner of forgiveness to worship the same Christ? This is what God's church is supposed to be. So if you feel like you don't belong, and if you're desiring where is a home for me, this is it. And is it perfect? No. Is it going to require forgiveness? Yes. And we all rejoice at that lovely process of sanctification. Amen? Would you stand with me? And uh, we're going to close in prayer. I'm going to let you guys go get your kids. We're not going to close in song uh, because of timing. We're trying to make sure that... uh, we're trying to make sure we're being uh, mindful of time, not just for you guys, but, but mainly for all of our kids next door and all of our leaders. And I, one of the things that's lost on some of us, and I, I would ask you if, if you want to know what it's like, volunteer over there. They are just, it's crazy over there. It's, a, <laughs> it's, the, it's such a great place to do ministry, but it's crazy over there. We're trying to make sure it's great for our parents and in and, and here. And so thank you for, for your grace. Let's pray. And, uh, Yeah, let's enjoy the rest of our day and our week. Lord, thank you so much. Lord, that the curse of the tree is a reminder that that actual curse, Lord, was laid upon you so that it wouldn't be laid upon us. And Lord, this lesson of the tree, I think we would be amiss to not mention that either that curse will fall upon the tree and on Christ or it will fall upon us. And the only way to ensure that that curse doesn't fall upon us and that our soul our roots don't wither and die 
is to be found completely hidden in you. So I pray every individual here would be genuine and real in their faith. That they would recognize a desperate need for you. They would cling to you. And that they would open their heart to other individuals and community. That they too would find a place in the temple that is Christ. We trust you for that work, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you guys. Have a great weekend. Travis and Amber will be outside. Hey, if you're also on your way out, is if you're new, we have a gift for you at the info booth. Make sure you stop at the info booth, and uh, we'll hook you up.